God has appeared, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's Titus 2, verses 11 through 13. And I'm Scott, with the Wisdom in All Things podcast, where we look at applying wisdom to three areas of our lives, mind, body, and soul. On this episode, let's talk about sin. Ah, the S word, or should I say the other S word? And what I mean is the one we probably need to use more often. But what a downer, right? However, it couldn't be more necessary. I mean, take a look around you. Not talking about it and then dealing with it gives us this. Even inside the church, it doesn't look much different. W. Robert Godfrey, he's the president and professor of church history at Westminster Seminary in California, says, Most American churches and synagogues today are characterized by attitudes and practices which are joyful, emotional, personal, and empathetic on one hand, Impatient with liturgy, theologically broad to the point of theological incoherence on the other. Preference seems to be the rule. Ignorance is bliss, but only for the ignorant. They say that ignorance is bliss, and I'm willing to go along with that insofar as I do feel a whole lot better just knowing that the mystery meat will taste like chicken. Not knowing you're eating tofu or that you're about to be eaten by a shark, for that matter, is probably a good thing. We know enough about the truth that we know we want to avoid it, in probably too many uh, cases, so much so that we'll cover it up, distance ourselves from it, and even call it something else. Whether intentional or not, it's all to create or maintain our bliss bubble. Ignorance may be bliss for those ignorant, but only temporarily. Existing in a state of feelings or preference without the truth is not only selfish, it's a contradiction when pursued inside a relationship or community. Ignorance will not only destroy the individual, but ultimately maim or even ruin the whole. We need to have boundaries. But even more than that, we need to know when we've crossed the line and what happens when we do. When someone else's ignorance bursts our bliss, this is an urgent call for clarity and truth-telling. And it is at that point we are most likely to invoke the S-word. Again, the other S-word. I'm talking about sin. We appeal to the rule that has been broken. The line has been crossed. It is serious. It's offensive. Sin elicits the conviction that this is a matter for the court. In his article, Five Wrong Ways to Talk About Sin, Derek Rishwami describes one of the ways we avoid using the S-word. He calls it the youth group way, which treats sin, he says, more like chewing your nails. And then nails the reason why we do need to. Because he says it's a serious, soul-destroying plague with real-world in this and next, repercussions. And that is precisely why we need to use it more often. That is the S word. We need to get sin right. We need to know where that line is, when we've crossed it, and what happens when we do, because of the implications for everyone. Something that is a soul-destroying plague with real-world repercussions should cause anyone to seriously evaluate their behavior and make sure others know about it too. We can't afford to remain ignorant nor can we remain silent. So first, call it what it is. I think I've used this definition in the past, but like much of what John Piper says, it is worth repeating and gives us the right place to start when we think about sin. It reveals how easily and even mindlessly we could be found on the wrong side of the line. He says, sinning is any feeling or thought or speech or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God over all other things. 
at the bottom of sin, the root of all sinning, is such a heart. A heart that prefers anything above God. A heart that does not treasure God over all other people and all other things. That's pretty serious. And that's why we need to call it what it is. Secondly, we should feel the weight. Sin is weighty. Because it is not something to take lightly, there should be some weight to it. Not just that we feel bad or guilty, but that it is significant enough that we want to take the right measures to deal with it. Scott McKnight from Northern Seminary says, When we don't see the gravity of sin, we won't be reliant on God for the grace of sanctification and transformation, and holiness won't be our aim in life. Because of the depth that it is felt, sin should bear down on us with such a force that it is hard to breathe and think. We should be serious about it because of the serious position it puts us in. Again, Mr. Goffrey says that how great is the problem of sin for us as fallen creatures? Because of Adam's fall and my own corruption, I have broken all the commandments of God and never kept any of them. I have no goodness or accomplishment to offer God in order to earn his favor. Neither as a non-Christian nor as a Christian do I merit any reward or blessings from God. I recognize my sad state as my conscience accuses me, but even my sorrow for sin cannot rescue me or gain God's favor. Call it what it is and really feel the weight. Next, understand that it is against God. It's not the social injustice or the detour on the road to success that is the effect of sin, but that it is a direct offense to the living God. In fact, offense doesn't really come near to describing the level of treason that sin is. D.A. Carson from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School says this, to my mind, one of the best ways of tackling that is to begin with idolatry, that is to, to understand sin and that it's against God. He says, idolatry involves betrayal. It involves the de-godding of God. Begin with a Bible storyline where God made us and because he made us, therefore we owe him. And to think that we don't owe him is already betrayal. He knows what is best for us, so that sin is portrayed, first of all, as an insult to God, as the degotting of God, as the erection of other gods, as a form of selfishness. And in order to get sin right, we need to be holy, lastly. While we were homeschooling our boys, one phrase my wife would use to direct them through the process of reconciliation with God and each other was, clean heart, fresh start. As simple as that sounds, it really provides the culmination of getting sin right, that is, being clear on what it is and the full weight of its implications, we remain untethered by that, which so easily entangles us through a growing passion for holiness. Just like the announcement says, if you see any unattended packages or suspicious behavior, report it immediately. Be on the lookout for bad things and then do something about it. Oswald Chambers says, God has only one intended destiny for mankind, holiness. His only goal is to produce saints. God is not some eternal blessing machine for people to use, and he did not come to save us out of pity. He came to save us because he created us to be holy. Sin is a condition we all suffer from, and something we should all be capable of talking about. Ideally, we would no longer be listed among the ignorant, for knowing the truth brings ultimate bliss. I would absolutely not be offended at all, whatsoever, if you decided to pass this on to a friend, or like 20. Uh, encourage everyone you know to understand and apply wisdom in all things by sending them to the Wisdom in All Things podcast, and they'll find it at wisdominallthings.com.